Hey there, where have you been? Welcome to the No Jet Stress podcast, the show that helps you maintain optimal health and peak performance as a road warrior, no matter how much you travel. I'm your host, Christopher Babiodi, traveler wellness advocate, nutritional therapist, author, and ex-flight attendant of 20 years at British Airways, one of the UK's largest airlines. Welcome to a solo edition of the No Jet Stress podcast. In this episode, we're talking about future trends of travel well-being technology. As we all know by now, business travel can be tough on your health. Long hours, irregular meals and jet lag can take a toll on your energy levels and overall well-being. With artificial intelligence coming to the fore, I thought now would be a good time to look at some future travel trends in travel that have an impact on traveller well-being. In this solo episode, we'll briefly discuss some of the most promising technologies. We're going to look at five today, including personalised health and wellness tracking, virtual reality and augmented reality for training and education, contactless technologies, sustainable travel technologies, and the AI overlay, AI-powered chatbots. So let's get started. Personalised health and wellness tracking is a favourite of mine. I cannot lie. It seems like the continuation of a trend in personalisation, whether that means travel programmes or what individuals can do with their data once it's aggregated. I think this is a good thing, and to see more of this come to the fore can only mean better, more targeted data that helps people make informative decisions better and more accurately. Now, I have it on good authority that it's going to take an upgrade in the complexity and the ability of the sensors that run the wearables that we use for this really to take hold. But it sounds like that that's on the way. Those people in the know are on the lookout for this new type and better capable technology of appearing in the gadgets and the wearables that we tend to use. The most important thing, as far as a mobile workforce is concerned, is the ability to have quality data and to have it in real time. This informs them and is able to be used in other mediums to help make better decisions. So this is great. It's great to see. And we look forward to seeing more of that coming to the fore in the coming months and years. As an example, one of the simple and easier ways I like to look at the idea of slicing up real-time data is, for instance, the Aura Ring. If you have an Aura Ring, you'll be familiar with a readiness score. Now, it's not the gospel, it's not the be-all and end-all of a measuring metric or health metric, but it's a very useful one. It's a very useful one in as much as your readiness score gives you an understanding of how well recovered you are after a night's sleep. This in and of itself can help you look at how you plan your day going forward. That is, of course, not to say that if you have a meeting, you cancel it at the slightest drop of your readiness score, but it can inform you how to pace yourself when you go into negotiations, meetings, when you travel and things of that nature. It's good to understand that the underlying idea of your readiness score is that to some extent, it works in line with your circadian clock, your circadian rhythm, your biological clock. And therefore, if you can manage to plan things out so that you have the things that are important for you to achieve results in, 
done at times when you are at your best, then that is going to help you produce quality work. And that's something that we should all aspire to. To help the conversation along in terms of personalised health and wellness tracking, I think there seems to be a gap between gathering the data and knowing what to do with it. Indeed, I've had conversations with people who've said, okay, I've got the data, so now what do I do with it? And you don't want to have to always sort of like go digging into deep manuals in order to find or the latest research in order to find out how you can actually use your data. So it seems like there's an opportunity for people to help clients along the lines of understanding the basics of what some of these metrics mean, which ones are meaningful to them and which ones they should look out for and plan things by. This is all useful information for an era of personalization that actually is informative based on the data that people have gathered. And it stops us having a look at our 10,000 steps and thinking, okay, so 10,000 steps, what now? What next? What else can I do that with? Is that enough? Is that enough for me? Is that too little for me? You know, it really depends on what you're doing and other factors which need to help you personalize the specifics of the data that you're seeing pop up on your wearable. When I think of wearables that I think are worth taking a look at, I think of the Aura Ring, the Whoop and First Beats tool. These are tools which can give you surface numbers to look at, as well as provide some more detailed insights from the data. Particularly the First Beat tool is really good at really giving you a graphic as well as an informative understanding of the underlying science as to how to maintain your wellness when using that tool. So wrapping this up, the question is, what do I do with the data? How can I use it and how can it inform me currently? Or how can it be put into a system that informs people who are making decisions about travel policy for a cohort of business travellers? These are important questions to ask. And the more personalization we can get from the types of wearables and the real-time data, the better we will be, the better we will be to make informed decisions that serve both organization and traveller alike. Alongside wearable devices, we have mobile apps, which are complementary pretty much to wearable devices that we wear that actually gather the data. Mobile apps are good in as much as that they allow well-being at a distance. And we saw this come to the fore during the pandemic when some of these were actually rolled out over large populations that enabled people with expertise, subject matter experts, to access clients, patients at a distance and get some feedback that was meaningful and could help improve diagnoses or problems and help people get results that they needed. I think one thing that will kind of bring that all that together will be a well-being type of internet of things idea, which is where all these different devices, wearables, mobile apps can talk to one another and therefore we can aggregate better and more complex pictures of data, see patterns more easily and therefore develop more precision in finding the cure 
or the solution that is required. So that in itself leads us on to the idea of AI engines, which will be able to help in that quest, provided they are given the right parameters to work alongside. Wrapping up, it seems that wearable devices with mobile apps and a healthy dose of well-placed artificial intelligence will be the way to go and a trend to watch out for in the future. Let's see what happens in this space. The second trend on our list is virtual reality and augmented reality. Now, this again is another trend that is coming more to the fore and playing a larger role in the way things are executed across different industries. In the travel industry in particular, training and education are cyclic in nature. And the types of tools that airlines have to put into play are actually useful for aviation industry insiders. And at times they are rolled out to private individuals who really understand the value of having their people be in the know in terms of handling different situations while traveling. What do I mean by that? Well, in 20 years of working as a flight attendant, every year we went through training at a dedicated training facility that helped you understand the updates and the new improvements to safety procedures that you required to fulfill as a crew member. These are useful and also you learn them by rote so that you're able to do them in your sleep, literally. So the kinds of things that we had in that training facility included fuselages of aircraft types and the doors and full working mechanisms in the doors so that we could simulate them. Well, this is all well and good. And at the time, it was one of the state of the art types of facilities available. I now understand that Emirates have a very well-placed and state-of-the-art facility um, in Dubai, which they use for their training. And even outside of um, Emirates, you have the likes of Dynamic Training, which is another centre in Dubai that trains people. And in particular, what's impressive with them is that they've started incorporating some of this virtual reality, augmented reality, to get a realistic view for people passing through the facility of what conditions might be like so that they are training in real world conditions. They're having the experience of it all. And it's very real. It's, you know, it's, it's simulated, but it's real. And it kind of presents challenges and helps people understand what's going on should they find themselves confronted with these types of situations. So some organisations give their travellers time off to do things like fear of flying courses. Well, let's extend that idea a bit. The whole idea is to help people get over flying, sorry, get over their fear of flying so they can fly well, arrive well, be productive, maintain their health and not let that fear cripple them or something along those lines. Well, how about we look at the idea that if we give travellers, those who really do struggle in one way or another, whether it's fear of flying or anxiety around flying or just not understanding, if they are able to access these types of facilities, whether it's part of what the company sees as is useful to help that person maintain their performance, if they're able to access these types of courses and tools through these facilities and go for a day's training or, you know, do an online training course that relates to the flying lifestyle they're now stepping into using some of these tools, 
VR and AR, then that becomes a win because you have a more settled traveler that's able to perform well. And that becomes something that they're able to take away. There's no anxiety. Did you know that 40% of people who turn up at airports are stressed? Some because of the journey to get to the airport, but others still, you know, flying is unnatural. Let's be honest. It's beautiful when you're up there and doing it, but it's unnatural. And if you don't have the ability to relax into it, then you could say that you're missing the trip. And then if you have to go and perform once you arrive, that again becomes a roadblock to perfect productivity and performance. So if we can see more use of VR and AR in the realm of education and training when it comes to the aviation industry and those who travel often, then that will be a good thing and something to be lauded. The third trend to be on the lookout for is the invasion of the contactless technology era. Contactless technologies, including face recognition, touchless payments, and self-service kiosks. Well, I'm sure you know that these aren't particularly new as such. It's just their prevalence that's going to be more obvious to us as we look to make gains in terms of convenience as well as hygiene. As we well know, the pandemic was a time when some of these things helped ease us out of the worst of the pandemic in as much as it stopped the easy spread of germs and bacteria and therefore has become a staple and lots of um, hotels airports and other places where travellers pass through start to use these types of technologies. So we can look out for this to be more prevalent and useful and help add that little bit of convenience to our travels as we go about our business. Fourth on the list is sustainable travel technologies. That includes greener transportation and carbon offsetting. To be honest with you, I'm a bit more sceptical about these as trends. They've been a long time coming and it would seem that with the likes of the big players in terms of the oil and gas industry, we've still got a fair way to go before these become viable technologies that are used across, you know, large scale companies and organisations. So I'll hold my breath and hope that it comes to fruition. But when we talk about greener transportation, it sounds like there are some bit players but it's being dwarfed by the conversation that the larger players in this area are having. For instance, recently news items talked about the idea that there's a lot of lip service or greenwashing, as it's called, to the idea of making us energy efficient and ecologically sound instead of actually doing the hard work. Now, this is quite a shame. I know we have various airlines around the world committed to, you know, alternative fuels and things of that nature, which is good. But where are they going with it? How are they going to scale? Will it scale? These are important things to consider. And when it comes to, you know, carbon offsetting, well, I'm just confused by the conversation around carbon offsetting. And I say that because, you know, how do you offset your carbon? Why aren't everyone? Why isn't everyone using the same yardstick, the same metric? Why is there so much confusion about this? So I'm not holding my breath about sustainable travel tech, but it's something that we need to do as, you know, as a world, because if we don't, whether we do it or not, whether individual nations do it or not, we're all going to suffer the consequences. So there's no point in blaming and, you know, 
screaming that the hegemony is being diluted or is being challenged. We just need to get some brave leaders who are policy wonks to actually get this in gear and force it down our throats because that's the only way this is going to work. Otherwise, it's just a finger pointing exercise that gets us nowhere. Okay, that's me off my soapbox for that trend, sustainable travel technology. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the final item of the list, and this is the AI overlay. Ladies and gentlemen, AI has landed and it is powering chatbots and all types of intelligent conversations across the internet. So much so that those people with knowledge of how it's actually working have asked for a six month moratorium, I believe. So AI is here for better and for worse, and it's cropping up in all types of places across all sectors and all industries. There's good use AI and potentially bad use AI. And that's what we want to guard against. Good use AI, if combined with other bits of technology, helps us extrapolate data faster, quicker, with deeper insights and precision, and saves time and is a convenience amongst many other advantages that it can afford us. On the other hand, we have to be weary, and wary even, (laughs) of the ethical implication of implementing AI in a way that's manipulative and, to be honest with you, reflects human nature, sad to say, the less likable aspects of our nature. And this is what we have to guard against when we look at how we go forward with AI as such. So when it comes to the travel industry, there is a ton of data in all kinds of silos that can be crunched, which if accessed and crunched and used ethically, can actually help lift the industry that we have. Okay, when it comes down to travel well-being and making you know, wellness tracking something that's accessible to every traveller, we're talking about a small sliver of what's available in terms of data and how it can be used. But if it's used ethically and well, and these are combined with these well-being dashboards that organisations are putting together that measure metrics along the lines of the company's aligned goals, using personalised data to see what that looks like alongside that can actually be a powerful tool and help companies have a competitive advantage in their field of operation. I think this is the way to go. And even though this is a bit of a sidestep, I want to talk about the $2 million man, Brian Johnson, who actually talks about the health intervention interventions that he's, what can I say, that he's meddled with for the past two years to produce what he calls the blueprint. And while it might seem that he sounds a bit narcissistic, when you dig into what he's talking about, you find that he's actually not. He's a very decent human being and he's actually seeing the future ahead of time. Now, why do I say that? Because he understands that the data, the intelligence rather, the intelligence that is embedded in AI is only able to operate when it has the codes that we input into it. So if we put code into it that does not have any ethical considerations, we stand to lose. And this is really important. So getting the kind of AI that we want that serves all parties and is not just another manipulative business tool 
is one of those considerations which can be helpful to us and our ambitions to have good health while we travel and look after the people that we're managing as travel managers and people who are in charge of travellers. So my hot take is yay for personal health and wellness tracking, yay for AR and VR in education and training, yay for contactless technologies, but nay, 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 nay for sustainable travel technologies and the AI overlay, even though there are some silver linings in the AI if we use it well. This is a quick look at five future travel wellness trends in the travel industry that can have an impact on our ability to travel well. And we should keep a close eye on them for the future to see how they turn out and how we can actually use them in our own lives to make sure that wherever we go, we fare well. When it comes to traveler well-being, the question left on the table is where do we go from here? It seems like the future is here right now, but just not evenly distributed. Personalised health and wellness tracking is a good starting point for organisations and individuals alike. It's something that's tangible and we can make efforts towards its fulfilment on a daily basis with or without wearables. But it's a good starting point and it's one that I've always recommended to clients and prospects simply because it's low-hanging fruit and it's something that people can start with wherever they are with their health and well-being, programme or no programme, corporate or not corporate something to think about. Until the next time, wherever you go, farewell.